Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike. People who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton, as they break down the modern day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry. And if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curl? Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On Facebook, at In the 608. I'm Adam Elliott. And I'm Ben Anton. And we welcome you to Real Estate in the 608. It's a podcast where each episode we bring in a guest and we talk things real estate. We're going to discuss the real estate headlines of the day. And we'll recap the highest and lowest price sales in Dane County. It's a local podcast, too. And we're going to do things like give you a top of the hour tip and a market update. We're going to surround ourselves with people smarter than we are. One of those people, Phil Blort. President. Anybody gets to be president of anything. President of Blimley and associates at a vision of dairy.com we also feature local music from artists in the 608 that's right i wonder if i can be president of this microphone that i'm talking into right now you think you that's can, a reasonable request do you want to be your president of web development and social media oh, marketing that's right oh I'd... add that to your introduction now <laughs> who are you my name's adam i am a homeowner a teacher a user experience architect at uw madison also i don't can we claim tv personality at this TV point personality and and recently <laughs> promoted to president of social media and website management and who are you my friend my name is ben anton i'm a broker associate with the lower realtor group i am a landlord and i too I'm a television personality. <laughs> Joining us today, exiting District 6 Alder, Marsha Rummel. Mm-hmm. I might go so far as to say a, a beloved Alder. I know she had a lot of fans. Oh, she um, she does have space. a lot of fans, and she leaves in a very in a very positive way, and uh, and will be replaced soon by the by Brian Benford. Well, looking forward to speaking to Alder Rummel in just a little bit. But Ben, what's been going on since last time? Since last time, we're television personalities. We could, we could claim that. We could also say we are really just part of a segment on a morning show one day. Hey, Channel Ma. 3. Hey, Ma. Adam's <laughs> on the TV. Some big thanks going out to Josh Spreider. Who holds a little feature on the news called In the 608. Yes, on Channel 3. At first, we felt <laughs> it was appropriate to make fun of him for using the title In the 608. And then we were like, oh, yeah, let's work together. And they put together <laughs> a real nice piece that aired on News 3 in the morning. If you have not found our Facebook page at in the 608 you could go there and I've posted a link to those interviews uh, and the beautiful little feature that that Josh put together and thanks we mentioned Preston Preston is the yeah, one who was hiking right. with Josh and said, Josh, they were teasing about you. <laughs> so we thank Josh. I, I think he and his camera person did a fantastic job. It was it was a very nice, well put together piece. I think we presented quite nicely, That's pretty the well. Beauty of editing. We folks. came out looking pretty good, I think. Uh, the other the other win there for me was that Chris Reese, weatherman slash realtor, <laughs> he's a fan. He said, even I as a realtor learned some things from that podcast, which yeah. is exactly what we're trying to do. So. Kudos to you, Chris, and we will have you on soon. Yes, potential future guest right there. The feedback that I received uh, from the piece was like, oh, you have a podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we do. And some other folks also said, no, no, that looks that looks really interesting. I'm now interested in listening as well. So <laughs> sometimes it just takes that little TV push to get going. Yeah. <laughs> we should also give a thank you to all of our listeners who have been on this ride since the beginning. If you're not just tuning in now and you've been with us for the for the while. Thanks for yeah. tuning in. Yeah. Whether you're new or old. We appreciate it. That was something for both of us. But specifically, what's been going on since last time for you? Remember yeah. I said that bathroom's going to get done? Mm-hmm. We have tiled the surround, and the door is on, and the plumber comes Friday to attach the sink and the trim kit on the fixture. So the bathroom is almost done, like top to bottom. It's your house we're talking this here. This is the mo- This yeah. is the the new bathroom basement in Mona's house on Main Street, and uh, it's been dragging on. Have you talked to the project management on that as to why that's been dragging on? I haven't. <laughs> Isn't that you? They have been they've been <laughs> quite quiet on the topic. You and I have both been very thankful for our health. Mm-hmm. Today I got my second vaccine, so that is congratulations. Like, Doing okay. The second dose sometimes is known to I get feel, to people. I feel a little, a little ill, so. but you just got here, so I'm waiting to see what it is. <laughs> it was. It might have just been me showing yeah. up too. So <laughs> your cologne, your cologne is awful strong. Since last time, PBS aired a documentary touches on a several topics that we have talked about in real estate in the 608. It was called Sifting and Winnowing and Film Burning, and it was essentially like. Some folks back in the 60s who did some undercover camera work and were sending people of color to try to rent homes or buy homes in the Madison area and seeing what happened with. And at the time, the UW was part of this film. They essentially banned it or they classified it as restricted and kind of hid it away. It was it was a good spotlight to show why housing practices like this should not be tolerated. Interesting thing of the film was is like literally it was it would be like somebody walking up to a front door and say, hi, I heard you have an apartment for rent. Can I check it out? And then like, which is usually a person of color. And then the white owner, the person at the door would be like, well, well, uh, we rented it out or you can't have it or it's it's spoken for or something. And then they would send a white person like the next day and it would be available or they'd have access to it. You kind of like hide it to see what neighborhoods that they were going in because this was in Madison. Some of the neighborhoods you could tell are still very white prevalent neighborhoods at this point and it hey, kind of hey, shows Adam, like the effects most of the neighborhood good point but it shows like how practices back then still spill over to today like this thing is still happening it will be put on the web shortly within mm-hmm. the next few weeks it should be available and i'll make sure to put a link to that on the facebook and i sent it i sent the link to pay dr glotzer yeah um mm-hmm. Because that dovetailed really well with uh, with some of the things she talked about in her book when we had her on. I mean, the topics of redlining, of discrimination, of lending to people of color as well. Like, it touches on all those areas. And those are also episodes of our podcast that you can go back and listen to as well. The other thing is, like, it's getting warmer. So I'm, like, outside in the yard. I planted not one tree, but six trees. Six trees? Yeah. One of my trees is an ash tree. I just sold yeah. a house in Sun Prairie. Jody uh-huh. bought a house with uh, ash trees in the front yard, and they had been clear that these trees were failing. Just wrecked. They were yeah. ash, and the and the bark had been chewed away yep. and starting to slough off into mm-hmm. little strips at the base of the tree. So that the uh, so did you plant a disease-resistant ash tree? Uh, no, I didn't do ashes. I did evergreens, and I did birches, because I felt bad taking down this, like, you know, 100-foot tree that uh, is yeah. kind of like a part of the house. It's going to fall on the house if I don't do something about it now. <laughs> and then we'll be back on with insurance representative Jeff first. <laughs> That's what's been going on since last time. Let's talk about what's going on from the headlines. 
From the headlines, if you are lucky like we are, you received your assessment postcard today. Is that a luck thing or is that just... And found out just how wealthy you are. We'll talk a little bit about those assessments in the process, but average Madison property value up 6.4%. Average home value, $335,000. How about the lows and the highs? The lowest was a surprise to me. Because it is in a neighborhood that I have been scouring for good value. 3621 Old Brick Avenue, $100,500. While it was on the market and listed as an MLS sale, it is not a home that ever made the market really. Okay. Um, when listing a home with a real estate agent, you can choose whether or not that agent themselves could also represent the buyer. What's the benefits of that situation? Well, in this situation, the benefit to the seller was it sold really quick, and the benefit to the buyer was they got a chance at it before anyone else in the market. What about the highest? 4830 Morris Court in Westport, selling for $2.85 million, listed at $3 million, but selling in only three days, 5,800 square feet, five bedroom, five bathrooms, built in 1999. From the street, it's like a, only a single story showing with these kind of kind of long sweeping roof line, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of valleys and hips okay. and things like yep. a ri- like a rich people McMansion would have. But then, and it's like brick, and it's the arches over the windows, right, and very right, right. Yep. very McMansiony. But then you get around the backside, and it's four stories of glass. Oh, and everything's square. Do you think in non Crazy market times. Would this still go for two point eight five? You know, and, and lake people like a like a Liz Lauer or a uh, or a Mark Gladue, they would tell you, well, it's kind of shallow over there. Oh right. gosh, people like there are people that <laughs> depend on people, the depth of the lake that you're oh, yeah. at is also a factor. Yeah, that's that's how you. <laughs> I didn't. Know. I'm obviously not a lake person. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> sometimes the size of your boat. Determines the depth. Oh, like if right. you got a big boat, well, then you need to be over here. You can't be over there where all the weeds blow. Oh my gosh! Because there's the weeds blowing there issue, but then also the depth issue. You can't even get a big boat over there. Oh boy! These are the problems. <sighs> I will just. Uh, <laughs> These are the problems of the rich and famous. Uh, let's move on from there and just say those are the headlines, as crazy as they might be at some point. Um, our in studio guest today is an alder on the Madison Common Council. By the time you hear this, she <laughs> won't be the alder anymore. Yes, but she will have served a long time on the council. She's been in that seat is for it, yeah for quite a run. a good amount teen yeah. teen a teen number of years. We'll have to ask her for sure. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break for the top of the hour tip, some local advice from some of our favorite Lauer Realty Group agents on how to improve your home or investment property ownership experience. Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them like no other firm. Real Estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. 
When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 on the phone with us now. Agent Asher Messino calling in with the top of the hour tip. Thanks, Ben. My tip today is for buyers out there. Everyone who is writing an offer right now knows that the market is extremely competitive. I would say that about a third to half of the offers being written are not writing in inspection contingencies. I do not recommend that, though. Almost all of my buyers are writing with inspections. However, in order to compete with these other people who are not including inspection contingencies, most people have to say they are willing to waive somewhere between 5,000 up to 15 to 20,000 worth of potential defects. Now, of course, you want to make sure you have this money set aside in case there are defects. However, most properties don't get up to those high amounts of defects. So, It's a bit of a risk, but this way you are assuring a seller they most likely will not have to be uh, performing any repairs on the house prior to closing, and you can still get the house inspected and be aware of any potential safety concerns before moving in. An inspection is so much often less resulting in a list of defects and more resulting in a better understanding and a deeper knowledge of the house for the buyer. Right now, it's just taking a lot of cash to get offers accepted. And it's it's very unfortunate because most people just don't have loads of cash. But the way I try to explain to my buyers when you know they're thinking about waiving, let's say, $10,000 worth of inspection defects, is I say, you know, we have the inspection, we look at that list of defects, and then you decide, what are the things I would need to take care of right away after closing? So those would be the safety concerns, things that are not working properly that you, you know, need them to work properly. Properly, And then talk about the things that you might be able to defer later and take care of, you know, maybe a year later even. Thank you, Asher, for the top of the hour tip. We'll be back with Marsha Rummel in just a moment. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. He is Ben Anton. And we, Ben, are going to talk about the house that Rhonda bought tried to sell, then tore down, now is building, has been delayed about a month. Concrete's coming, though. That's the next step. They will dig the hole and pour the foundation. There was a last-minute jockeying for an approval because early drawings were approved, and then that approval was rescinded because someone said, oh, no, you can't have that porch stick out front there because the living space, the conditioned living space, needs to be further forward than the garage. That's a zo- that's a zoning that a rule? thing. That's a, a zoning rule. rule? Okay. But while our porch sticks past the front of the garage, the roof line it does, that is not conditioned space. So they've I believe they allowed us a variance, which you might call it by saying, mm-hmm. well, if we enclose that porch so that it's not open, then that would count. Though it won't be conditioned, it'll be enclosed. And that allowed us to move forward without going all the way back to the architect because, in fact, it was their admitted error that the original plans they'd approved did not meet in that sense. So, uh, you know, a unique project we've been talking about for almost two years at this point. Mm -hmm. It was an ugly little house on the east side of Madison off of Milwaukee Street, so run down. 
that it was determined to just got to tear the thing down, build something new on there. That ugly little house, I think, is still the uh, the background picture of the Facebook page. All right. Well, that's the update on the house that Rhonda bought. Let's take a break and we'll bring in our guest, Alder Marsha Rommel. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam. His name is Ben. And on the line, we've got our in-studio guest today, uh, exiting District 6 Alder, Marsha Rummel from the Madison City Council, or the Common Council, sometimes it is referred to as. I think that's the the proper title. Marsha, thank you for being with us today. Well, thanks for inviting me to talk about people's least favorite Uh, Marsha, his professional experience includes work as a revenue agent for the Wisconsin Department of Revenue, a bookkeeper for Liberty Tree, and a co-founder and financial manager of the Rainbow Bookstore Cooperative. She has also served as president of the Marquette Neighborhood Association Board. In 2011, Rommel was awarded the Wisconsin Urban Forestry Council's Award for Discovery. Distinguished service of an elected official. How long ago was it that you were elected as my alder? 2007. Well, thank you for your service. We know all these things about you, but we need to decide if you are fun. Yep. And the only way to do that, Ben, is to ask some questions. Questions to play a game, a Madison history, trivia, and a history environs game. And what's that game called, Adam? The way it used to be. There used to be. There used to be. But smiling faces far as the eye could see Car in every driveway, swinging every tree People can't stop talking about the way things used to be Are you ready? I'm ready Started by a group of volunteers, Rainbow Bookstore Cooperative opened in what year? 1989 Yeah Very good Were you one of the original volunteers that opened the Rainbow Bookstore Cooperative? I was a f- one of the first co-founders and the first paid staff person. Wow. Congratulations. Make, well move, moving your way up from yeah. volunteer to paid. Nice work. <laughs> All right. Early in the year 2000, an undercover drug raid discovered cocaine use and sale. <laughs> oh, gosh. At what, You're bringing up the old memories, at what, <laughs> at what bookstore adjacent dive bar, even implicating uh-huh. several Madison firefighters? <laughs> That's right. And the name is there. It's... It starts with a J. <laughs> it does start with a J. Uh, as soon as you say it, I'll go like, yeah, that's it. Jocko's rocket ship. Jocko's, Jocko's rocket ship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you had a J. We'll ring the bell a little bit. Yeah. That's... All right. <laughs> was, that a pl- was that a place that the volunteers would go for a little after book selling shift? I can't speak for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> One more question. Built in 1902, the Yahara Hotel is now what favorite East Side Tavern? The Yahara Hotel. Is that Mickey's? Oh, is that right? Oh, that is correct. Good well job, Marsha. I knew that, but that sort of seemed obvious. Almost three out of three. Well done. Congratulations. Another small real estate in the 608 slash Mickey's connection is the... uh, So, Marsha, we play local bands in between our banter here. And Seesaw is one of the bands. They filmed one of the videos for their songs inside of Mickey's. If you look close, it's like, oh, yeah, this is totally Mickey's bar. It's totally Mickey's, and I believe it was shot on Instagram. Some modern hipster sure. social media platform. Uh, well, I think congratulations are going out to you, Marsha. You are three for three. That proves you are fun. 
Cool. <laughs> we're gonna take we're gonna take a quick break for the market update, and then we'll be back with uh, some some less fun talk with exiting Alder Marsha Rummel. Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them like no other firm. Real Estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine. For your ears, it's time for the market update. Joining us is Agent Asher Messino. Hi, Ben. It's an extremely difficult market for buyers, and a lot of times it comes down to how desperate a buyer is for a property and how much they want it. I mean, prices are going so high that it gets to the point where, you know, you think, is this worth it or how much do I want it? Because some people at this point are so desperate for housing that they are willing to go to whatever maximum they can do. I think one of the comforting uh, parts about this that most of the smart people I know and most of the reading I've done suggests that our next market correction will not be one similar to the crash of 2008, but but a more gradual and modest correction to where perhaps there might be some years without growth versus negative growth. Much of the last crash mm-hmm. had to do with some might call liar loans and some pretty unhealthy practices in the lending industry. Without those factors this go-round, we could hope that the next correction will be modest and that it will be softer in its in its effects. I mean, I think housing is going to be in demand for a really long time. First of all, you know, if if our listings now are getting somewhere between five and sometimes 40 offers, 39 of those other buyers are still going to be out looking. And I think a lot of those people will be overflowing into the next year. In 2019, the city of Madison predicted that we would have 80,000 new residents of Madison by the year 2030, which is a significant number, seeing as our city is barely 300,000 right now. I think for our local market, housing is going to be in demand for a very long time. I think the prices we're seeing houses sell for this year, I think those houses are still going to increase in value next year. All right. Well, thank you very much for your insights and joining us for the market update. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Find us on Facebook at In the 608. My name is Adam. Right across the table from me in the In the 608 studios is Ben Anton. And we are both in front of microphones. And on the phone is Marsha Rummel, who is the District 6 Alder on the Madison Common Council. Marsha, once again, thank you for being here. District 6, east side of Madison. I think as we probably just learned here, Mickey's Bar is in the district as well. Is that the general area, District 6? Definitely. Yeah. That's kind of mid... Well, not quite midway, but close. Yeah. A beautiful part of Madison. Like Marquette. Mark of the MNA neighborhood, the Mm -hmm. Shanks, the Sassy neighborhood, just about out to the Starkweather. 
Starkweather, Worthington Park, um, First Settlement. That's a great neighborhood. Mm, sure. So creeping so up south, onto the isthmus there. South yeah. of the Avenue. First, of the first avenue. settlement to Old Brickish. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, oh yeah, yeah, um, some redistricting is in the near future, and things might lines might change. It could. That's future work. Don't you try to gerrymander me? I'm not trying to gerrymander anybody right here. Just say expect something might change. Change ones before when I was older, so I, my district definitely went further east than it did before. One thing that probably will not change with the Madison Common Council, based on referendum results, is the size of the council because people said they did not want to see it shrink down. Did you get your assess your Madison assessment or assessor postcard today, Marcia? I, I did. Isn't that perfect timing? <laughs> Taxes and assessments was for the most part the inspiration of your visit or of our calling you just to give people a bird's eye view of, of some of the intricacies of, of city finance, I suppose. The average assessed value in Madison went up 6.3%. Uh, and the average price, we said, is $335,000. Growing at a slightly faster rate at 8% up this year were the average uh, was the average price of the small two to four unit apartment building. One of the largest percentage growths uh, in price was in the, uh, the Burr Oaks Lincoln School area, which will take me just to a little... This is almost more of an observation before we hit the straight questions, Marcia. Um, but the if you think about the market like a slinky, right? The stock mm. that's at the bottom starts to be supported by the lack of inventory even more than the inventory at the top. Because the, so, so down at the bottom is like the the cheap houses and the one-bedroom apartments and the things that people only buy because they're slightly better than renting, <laughs> right? And and those are the kind of houses that are seeing the most growth because that demand is just pushing up at the bottom of the slinky. It's not having as much of an effect as the high prices at the top of the slinky, but the support from the demand comes from the bottom because everybody can afford those properties versus just the sum they can afford at the top. There's no way. Marsha, with your experience on the Madison City Council, you've gone through a budget cycle or two. And these things play out in real estate because mill rates are set and, you know, terms that people are usually not too in common with. They're not, you know, like, I heard of that thing. And like, it really comes down to what does that postcard say? If I have a house, does, does my property value go up or down? Because that is like a, a guesstimate as to like what my taxes, my tax bill might end up looking like. Yeah, There's a difference, though, when we talk about like the operating versus the capital improvement budget. There's always two parallel budgets when it comes to budget time, right? Right. They One is like um, the operating budget is like personnel and costs like insurance and fuel and programming and things that you can consume right away if you think of it that way. And the capital budget are items that, you know, have a longer lifespan, like a new road or buying some property for a neighborhood center or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the property taxes we pay go to the operating budget or for the most for the most part the monies that 
that the operating budget requires are those derived from property taxes. Right. It's the general fund. And there are certainly other sources to, of that, but the vast majority is the property tax bill. And, and, when, and this is something that I picked up on just recently on a, on a, a client of mine, Ben Nirad, works for the, he, he works for the different end of the government, but, but talk, somebody had talked about the, the amount of borrowing that was happening to achieve a balanced budget. But then he pointed out that the borrowing component was, for the most part, going to fund the capital budget. Is it more common to see the city borrow money to fund the capital budget versus an operating budget? Yes, because that's what we we borrow for these longer term projects that take you know a while to pay for or depreciate over a longer term. So generally, the only way that uh, it shows up in the operating budget is for in, through interest expenses and those kind of fees uh-huh. for the cost of borrowing. And that kind of makes sense too when you're thinking about an apartment building you are able to expense capital improvements. You mentioned it earlier. You said things that have a staying power or like are, are going to depreciate over a longer period of time when, when paying when, or when you're uh, doing your income taxes, you are able to, uh, your operating expenses mm-hmm. are tax deductible, but your capital improvements are ones that will depreciate over time and aren't necessarily deductible in the same way that an expense would be. One of the questions that I saw come up uh, recently on the, on the Facebooks uh, was a homeowner in the Near East Side, probably Eastmoreland, I think. She was surprised when she learned that the street was going to be repaired and that some of that cost was going to fall on her. Right. And, that, and that's where we talk about special assessments. Mm-hmm. We're paying We're all going along fine paying our property taxes. We're doing our, doing our duty. We're sending our kids to school. We're funding the uh, interest payments on our capital improvements. We're, we're paying the, the salaries and, the, and everybody of our, at the city. But then all of a sudden, they come to fix the road in front of your house. Or your sidewalk, like was my case. Or um, your sidewalk. Just like a couple of years ago. You vote as an alder on what projects should and should not happen and, and at what speed. Right. Well, yeah, we have a capital improvement budget. And every year we you know, have a list of projects we expect to move forward. Not all of them always do, but generally speaking, they do. And How exactly do we get to the what's most important for us to fix at this point? Well, they have standards where they look at like how, you know, this the quality of your street or your curb or and then they rate them. And so they have a rating system. And so certain things move up in the queue based on their, their rating level and also the age of infrastructure like the water mains mm-hmm. or sewer mains and you know i've been to so many of these meetings that almost invariably <clears throat> at least on the near east side they'll say and your and your water mains are from the 1890s or your <laughs> so, sewer thing is in you know but now we make these things bigger and we're gonna put bigger and better stuff but but yeah well, so some of his stuff is um you know eventually that it's time to be replaced It must be an interesting calculation in that, well, your street is in better shape, but the pipes beneath it are in horrible shape. And you might see a street that doesn't look that bad getting torn up because the pipes underneath it are, Mm -hmm. or you might see a street that's in horrible condition, 
left to go a little bit longer because the infrastructure beneath it isn't calling for attention yet. Because now the water utility, you know, they have budgets. Everyone that plays into this street reconstruction, it looks like a bunch of guys in, you know, lime green vests, but they they represent different parts of the city budget in a way what they're doing. So, you know, it's sort of like they balance sometimes. I think recently, and maybe this is in the weeds, but recently the water utility has not done as many projects as they have in the past. But it doesn't mean the projects don't get go forward, but your water main might not be improved this go around. Going to the bar with the money from a jar. Walking there because I'll have a problem with the car. Gonna take a sip, gonna take a little trip. Gonna purchase tea and whiskey, gonna leave a big tip. Jackson Street, first home of the in the 608 Studios, is is completely torn up right now. That they, they they just and I'm on the corner and it is a mm-hmm. it is a hot mess. Uh, but new gas lines, I believe, new water lines, uh, new storm sewers, as well as sand. I think everything is being redone, um, and it's going to be done to the tune of about fifty five hundred dollars. And and that seems to be about the going rate for people in that neighborhood that have about 40 feet of frontage. Our city lots are, are 40 feet across. And and the, the distance, the, the width of your lot, then determines how much you owe. And it's, it, mm-hmm. it's not something people are, are always thinking about. I would certainly hope that people buying houses there, either Lake Edge or Blooming Grove or any neighborhood that doesn't have street improvements like curb and gutter and sidewalk are are anticipating or at least at least wondering or asking the question if that could be a someday expense. Um, do you remember the terms with which that those special assessments, I couldn't find it online today, but I know that that $5,000 that I'm going to owe for my brand new sidewalks on, on Jackson can be paid over time. Do you remember the terms of those Usually it's eight years, but if you have, you know, you can ask for a longer term through at the finance department, mm-hmm. and I believe they go out fifteen years sometimes. at a relatively low modest or a, a yeah. modest interest rate. It's it's not free money, but it's but it's cheap money. Yeah, and uh, certainly if you were uh, in a pinch already or didn't have those kind of funds or couldn't write it off as a, as an ex- business expense, as it would be in a rental situation. Um, there, there are ways to make that more affordable for the homeowner. Um, um, and there's another program too, that I didn't look up its name, but so some of these are older areas like that you were referencing, there's a program that helps pay for, you know, when the whole area gets done and they all need sidewalks and curb and gutter, that, that can help offset the cost because if it's brand new to the homeowner and not a replacement, it's a different, they price things differently depending on what stage it's in. So there's a, a program that helps, helps people pay for that because it's a big hit when it's all on you, the homeowner. That can there be. have That's been like many a... tears shed at common council hearings. Some sure. people going, we can't afford this. And you kind of grit down on your teeth and think sidewalks, sidewalks are a public good and we don't want flooding. And mm-hmm. yes, we know it's hard. And then we vote for it. So we, we, we usually are not making people happy during those votes. If they, if everyone knew it was a, knew it was a possibility, I think it would be a lot easier. And maybe that's why I felt it's important to talk about is that as a homeowner, that's probably going to happen. You live in a place long enough, the curb and gutter are going to need to be repaired. 
the the street's going to need some work. I mean, I think it comes down to like sometimes people just don't think about those those long term consequences and the we we live in a neighborhood and everybody uses a street. There's the shared expense sometimes that you need to think about is like what's better for the community versus I can't pay for this thing right now. Why should I have to? I think the other thing that could happen is if is if people buying the home started to perceive a newer street as a value. So many people would just, well, of course there's a street in front of the house. Yeah. And of course it's passable. That's like an expectation. <laughs> but if people were to broaden their understanding in the con- of the, to the condition of the street in front of their house, they would know that a house on a newer street will cost them less to own than a house on a street that will need to be repaired or replaced in the short term. Yes. Well, I'm sure Marsha has stories of like... Folks supposing that people should know these things, right? <laughs> it's not it's not exactly always how it plays out. But No, yeah. you you have this they always have their public information meetings and you do that definitely, you know, here they right. like everyone hears about how old their stuff is and they they tell you to the year and then they talk about how wide the road might be or how they fix sidewalks by the little piece and they won't charge you if they don't fix it. And so there is a routine they have gotten down pretty well as staff to help people understand what's involved. People always have a lot of questions. We recently did one on Hel- Helena Street. I went to a neighborhood meeting and they decided as through a survey process to narrow the street so that they could save trees. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's certain ways that people can influence the the project, you know, speed traffic calling. Yeah, narrower streets can mean a lot more than save trees. I was just reading today uh, some, obviously it's a much different problem on East Washington, but the narrower street is, the, the slower the people will go. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's mm. less safe for the pedestrians either. There's less street to cross. Uh, but the scale of our streets and, and the environment can influence people's behavior without them even knowing. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name's Adam. His name is Ben. On the phone, we've got District 6 Alder, Marsha Rummel uh, from the Madison Common Council. Uh, Marsha, once again, thank you for joining us today. We're kind of talking about, you know, this is the time where your assessments come in and you start realizing what taxes are look, look going to look like um, for your space. You look at how much your home value is worth. Do you have an easy way of explaining these things to folks when they come with questions at this time of year, Marsha? You know, people usually, it's sort of this anecdotal, how much did yours go up? Mm-hmm. And, or did yours stay the same? I mean, mostly people's go up, but there was a couple that last time around stayed the same. And then you can read the newspaper or the, you know, the, from the, the assessor's office, like the different neighborhoods and the values and Think about, like, you know, you mentioned Burr Oaks neighborhood as the bottom of the slinky. So you can see, like, Marquette neighborhood where I live is, like, the average home is 410000 And then I look at my new postcard, and I'm like, oh, yeah, now I know why. <laughs> Marquette <laughs> went up a lot. <laughs> so if you think it's just out of line, you have appeal rights. You There's a whole process that the postcard explains about, you know, talking to the person who assessed your property. And they don't usually do inside stuff. It's... 
you know, it's from the street basically and based on comparables and all these other factors, but, but you can challenge it. And there's a process for that. If you are interested, read that postcard closely. One of the things I'd offered in the past is, is if you think it's out of line, go ahead and call me up, shoot me an email. I can pull the comps just as quickly as an assessor did. Uh, and call t- up you, Ben, you're yeah, saying? you can call me up and say, do I have grounds? Or do you think this is worthwhile to argue? Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be able to tell you right there on the phone, ah, geez, I just saw a sale around the corner, or I just saw this happen, or that value really does seem realistic, or yes, you could probably sell your house for that in a minute. Um, but if, if, if there's a question, don't, you know, shoot me an email, give me a call. There's, there's going to be an opportunity. And, and going through the process during the pandemic is something that I did last year when Mona uh, sold me her house that would be in the year 2019. It was a grandma house, and it needed a lot of work, um, some of which I did right away. Uh, but the assessed value they proposed to me the following January, so only two or three months after I'd owned the property, was was significantly higher than I paid, and even in my opinion, significantly higher than the value of the home. So I was able to argue, argue or uh, dispute that amount with the assessor. I got the one with the bow tie, Marsha. If you if you know who that one is, I really know the assessors. I know the the, the top Judette, but I don't know all the people that go. There was, and... He had a he had a wood like a wooden plank bow tie. Wow. Like it, it was not a. It was not like tied because, but it was. It must have had some kind of elastic strap. Or it something, takes a certain it, kind of person to pull off the bow tie. A, a wooden one. But we had we had Lindsay Wood Davis was <laughs> his right. bow tie. Yeah, this guy had a wooden a wooden plank bow tie. Hmm. Um, and then I would and I would picture him every time we'd I would email or talk after that because of the years previous I'd been there in person. Um, but he but but he did find it in his heart to to lower the amount a little. Uh, and then I think, and now I'm probably pushing, you know, he probably didn't think about it ever again, but now when I get my assumptions this year, it did not go up, which makes me say, well, he must have thought that he hadn't backed it up quite enough <laughs> that year previous. So he let it, he let it stay flat this year. Listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Uh, you are listening to Ben Anton, my friend, and as well as myself, Adam Elliott. And on the line, we've got Marsha Rubble, who's the District 6 Alder on the City Council. Marsha, you are a great source of information. You know, the Alder always knows, like, what the part is going on because people contact you all the time about what's going on. So you always have to have the answers for it. Yeah, I usually know something about what I knew that you were going to get your special assessment (laughs) like a couple of weeks ago because the assessor says, hey, Alders, I'm getting ready to send this thing and here's some things that people might want to know. It's good to have the heads up there, right? And, and, you know, your last few weeks in office, I hope you're and this won't be out until after. Uh, the 20th. So if there's anybody you want to stick it to or <laughs> you want to feel feel free to speak freely uh, because by the time this, this airs, you, you, it don't matter. <laughs> I won't even be the alder anymore. Thank you for so many great memories, people of District 6. One of the one of the news items as it as it crossed the Common Council's desk was uh, some proposed zoning changes as it relates to the ease with which uh, developers could build 
medium-sized rental property without as much oversight as it currently takes, or it was just going to, it was going to make that process easier. I saw that you, I'll say stood stood against it, or you you were not for it. Well, it never got to a vote, but Mm -hmm. I have a lot of questions about it. Yeah. (laughs) A quick 101 on zoning for, for those who aren't fully, you know, coursed in this, the city breaks up property or spaces across it into certain types of zone that allows like what types of construction things that can be built um, in that area. For example, you probably heard of like an agriculture zone where a farm might be, or you might've heard like, like mixed development, like commercial and residential together could be a zone. But different zones will then allow for certain uses. Mm -hmm. Atwood, for instance, we talked about the apartments and the church and the ice cream shop. Mm -hmm. That zone is called a traditional shopping street. And it has acceptable uses, which range from from high-density apartments to single-family homes to churches to all kinds of things. Also, you'd want to say, like, the core, like, why why was this talking about? And I'm not in support or defense because, as you said, Marsha, I also have questions on this thing, too. But obviously the reason here is, like, Madison needs more houses, needs more places where people can live, right? So there was a thought that, like, what if we made it a little faster for people to be able to build some apartments so we can get you know, more, more housing. And then I think this, the intention was, this was like, let's make it a little quicker or lube the gears or something to do that. But it wasn't, I don't know if it was the fully thought out. I I guess I kind of have to hear what, like, I still, I saw that from, from you, Marsha. And I saw that that was, I'm not accustomed to the realtors association and city government telling me the same thing. (laughs) So that's kind of, there you go. Yeah. That's, that's (laughs) one of the things what do you mean there's a flag? Because <laughs> uh, um, I'm talking to a fellow. More like, money. It's a money flag. Yeah. But I, but I mean, like, we need more property value or we want to have our property value go up because it can do more stuff. It can be more densely used. But like I'm it's talking to a guy like Matt Tucker. Matt Tucker is, seemed to be all for this. Like someone who is a, a paid employee, not elected, not influenced by outside money, just a guy who studies zoning and, and best practices and and how to live in a city. So he's for it. He's excited about it. And then I'm seeing the Realtors Association say, we're for this. We're excited <laughs> about it. And I'm like, well, first, that's a little bit of a disconnect here. I've got my, I've got my traditionally left-wing government telling me one thing's a good idea. And then I've got the nut job right-wings at the NAR um, telling me the same. And I'm like, well, geez, look at that. I can agree with them both for the first <laughs> yeah. time. Traditionally, there you go. That was the trauma for you. There you it? go. <laughs> but, the, but, then I saw, but then I saw your email, and I'm like, but now Marsha doesn't like it. The goal of like the sponsors is to create more missing middle. That's what they call right. it. Right. Me- medium size. middle housing. Mi- missing middle. And that's like 12 to 16 dwelling units in a building. And so that sounds good. We want more of that. We've that yeah. kind of nice human scale housing. But when you look at the mixed use districts, nothing ever gets built that's 12 to 16 units. It just is just much more dense than that. So, okay, then what, what's at stake here? So back to Russell Street, it's a nice little side street. If you were, as you're in your realtor hat going, taking your clients around, they would love that street. Nice little quiet street kind of tucked behind the business district. Maybe a little noisy sometimes, but nice, right? Well, well 
it, we're going to lose we could lose that those houses they're gone and you know arguably they might not be the cheapest housing based on all the new such values that went out but some of the the older housing stock is more affordable than anything that's built new we got to take a quick break for phil's phone in and then we'll be back to wrap it up with exiting alder from district six marcia Rome. hey man we're getting back to stay gonna be another brand new day when i'm walking with my baby down by the San Francisco bay Hey, Ben, it's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. The other day, I was speaking to a corn and soybean market analyst about various medium-term weather forecasts. He said something I found hilarious. You hope they are 50% right 30% of the time. It's not just the weatherman. Warren Buffett once said, the only value of stock forecasters is to make fortune tellers look good. I bring this up because a lot of people are trying to figure out when this hot housing market will cool off. According to the New York Times, earlier this month, Google searches for when is the housing market going to crash were 25 times more popular than in March and reached the highest level since 2004. Here's the thing. No one knows. At some point, something will change enough to tip the balance toward lower prices. Could be affordability, could be accelerated new construction, could be diminishing tailwinds from government stimulus. When working with clients seeking coverage against higher cheese or butter prices in the dairy commodity markets, I often ask, what's the bigger risk? Missing out on the trade because we never get a pullback or paying too much? Or here's another frequent question. What's your time horizon here? How long do we need this coverage to extend? Different people have different circumstances and with that different answers. I think some of the same calculus applies to buying a new home. How much more upside can you absorb by waiting? What's the danger if it turns out that you paid 5% or 10% too much? And is this a short-term flip or a long-term residence? In my experience, timing markets is a fool's errand. Sure, sometimes all the stars align and we buy the absolute low or sell the absolute high. But it doesn't happen much, and I'm pretty sure it matters even less. That's all for now, Ben. Until the next time, this is Phil with a view from Beyond the 608. listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name's Adam. His name is Ben. That was Phil's phone-in. We're circling back for one more thing with District 6 Alder, Marsha Rummel. What's next for Marsha Rummel? I haven't really thought it through exactly. I still have some city um, projects I think I'll be working on, including the Landmarks Ordinance Review Committee. It's just an Alder-only committee, but I might get invited to help them finish their work. We've been working on updating our historic district um, ordinance for quite a few years. And um, I don't know, I, you know, I'm looking for other things to do and, and, but I might just take a little break where I'll be like on a Tuesday night. Wait, I don't have anything to do tonight. <laughs> we'll sit in on a podcast. Well, we thank you again. If, is there anybody that you want to say that any, anyone or any message you'd like to share? Well, I really um, enjoyed serving our district. It's the most, one of the most progressive districts in the whole probably state of Wisconsin, if not the whole country. And so people always like raised really good questions and pushed me to do, you know, outside my comfort zone and think hard about what we need to do to make a better world for all of us. And I've enjoyed it and I, I'll miss it, but I also think it's somebody else's turn and I'm, I'm happy that Brian Benford will step up, and I think he'll be a great um, next alder. 
Yeah, me too. My mm-hmm. conversations with him have been have been very positive. Um, and, and every once in a while here, we are asked to get uncomfortable and we thank you for getting uncomfortable with us today. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so, so much, Marsha. And we will, uh, we will take our leave. Thanks for inviting me. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. His name is Ben. My name is Adam. Ben, what was that? That was our, our, well, I guess the second time with a city employee, mm-hmm. uh, first time with an elected official. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fancy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We get we get a feature segment on Channel 3000. All of a sudden, Go to everyone, wants to, everyone <laughs> wants to talk. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Marcia, a uh, pleasure to have on here. She's obviously very well informed because there's so many... It's so complex sometimes to think about all these things that we've been talking about today and to be able to tie all these pieces together is no small task. I feel like I have a slightly better understanding of taxes and the city budget, and I and I hope you do too. Um, but I, I, it's still going to be something that, that is difficult to wrap one's head around. Yeah. I mean, uh, and we just try to shine a little bit of light on it yeah. uh, and a little better understanding so that when we are in taverns again... Uh, we can argue about politics and, and city city politics and budgets and such. Um, my takeaway, and maybe, the, again, the inspiration was special assessments. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If the road, the curb, the gutter in front of the house you are looking to buy looks like sh- it's not in good shape. <laughs> Do I need to beep that? <laughs> you, you, should, you should maybe anticipate a special assessment. I will say in the, the special assessment I got was for sidewalks. And uh, like Marsha said, sometimes they don't have to do all the things. They can just do like one square, five was squares. Was it like 250 bucks a square about? Uh, maybe a little more than that. Well, maybe actually the total bill. I think it was like six squares, five, six hundred bucks is what it was. Okay. As like painful as those things are, you know, I don't want to... <laughs> you're only paying half. Yeah, you're paying half of it. you're paying and that was, that was the half that I ended up paying. At least I felt like I was notified, like, hey, this is coming up. Hey, this is now happening. Hey, they came out, they came out and fixed the sidewalks. Hey, now it's on your bill. <laughs> like, at least I knew it wasn't like shocking. Like, what's going on here? You know, there was a, some note that uh, these things were happening. So that, you know, took away some of the sting. It never is great when you have to pay money that you didn't expect to pay. That's what happened this episode. If people want to learn more, they can sign up for an email. If you want to get my monthly musings about real estate taxes, being on the TV <laughs> and, and other things like the market update and some and some insights for buyers and sellers alike, you can sign up for the 22nd, 22nd read arriving on the 22nd and written in easy to digest segments taking no longer than 20 seconds to read you can uh, hit the sign-up button at in the 608 on Facebook, or you can sign up at the website benanton.com under the Read page. The recently redesigned website. Yeah. Fine, I'm af- I'm fine af- work. I'm afraid that when she redesigned it, she took away my access to the podcast page. Oh, no. I, so I don't... I have to work. I have to look into that. You should hire a content strategist to help you out with that situation. I can't afford one. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, many thanks. Uh, number one to District 6 Alder Marshall Rommel for being on the podcast today. We should thank again Josh Spreider from Channel 3 for the feature segment that they did. You can find it on the Channel 3000 website or on our Facebook page as well. 
where we are claiming to be video stars at this point. The original. Hashtag the original <laughs> in the 608. Um, that was awesome. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thank you. Thank you to our musical guests who we've been listening to throughout the podcast here. Ren Claw, El Donk, the Oak Street Ramblers. Bob Westfall, I, I had a text with him earlier. He's, he's, uh, he's doing well. Um, Good. And then uh, Seesaw, we're still looking for a house for her. We're, we're still, gonna, still looking? We're going to get one, though, soon. And then also, your mom. Yeah. In the Jug Band. The Mad City Jug Band. They have their fun. You know, someday we'll be back and doing concerts live. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real jug that they play. It's not a joke. Thank you all. <laughs> hey, thank you, Ben. Thank you for listening to Real Estate in the 608. Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Real Estate in the 608 is a podcast for homeowners, home buyers, landlords, tenants, people who just want to be better at living in a home. If you can't get enough Real Estate in the 608 between episodes, like us on Facebook at In the 608 or visit inthe608.com for archived episodes and show notes. Remember, until you tell us, we don't know. We appreciate your listening, as well as your ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast portal. We also welcome feedback and topic suggestions via email to ben at benanton.com. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. And come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on Could be taking the and we could be record breaking. Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather me And we could be. So I'm singing you this waiting song